0: Behind the mild-mannered alter ego of our everyday lives is a superhero waiting to break free. Released from the chains of our doubts and fears and the stress and worries of everyday life, we were intended to live powerful lives of confidence, love, and clear purpose. The kind of life that can only come from the God of the universe who created us all. Perfectly balanced in our responsibilities and priorities, lives that seek God first and follow his command. Righting wrongs and pardoning the ones responsible for the brokenness in our past, and sharing the restoration and freedom in Christ, we've been given to a dying world. The time has come to become who we were meant to be and experience the kind of life change that can only come from Power Living.
1: Well, it's so good to see everybody today. What a time of worship. Amen. It's just great. The chain breaker, man, that's is so good. I want to tell you a, an amazing story. It's a true story from beginning to end. It is a, an amazing story about a young boy named Michael McAfee. He was in the third grade. Now, Michael McAfee is now grown and married But at the time of the story, Michael was in the third grade, and every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday came by. And he would always go come down front, and he would kneel at the prayer altar, and he would be kneeling there praying. And his dad asked him, Kevin asked him, uh, after one service Sunday morning, he said, Michael, why do you keep going down and praying at the front? And Michael said to him, because I have a deep burden. These were his words. I have a deep burden in my heart for a a boy in my class at school. And the boy's name was Tanner uh, Biagini. And he said, I just want Tanner to come to know Jesus as as a savior and I'm just praying and asking God to help him. Well, Kevin was so touched by that that Kevin decided their whole family would now begin to pray for Tanner and They were all praying for Tanner day after day. But then Kevin had an idea and he said to he said to Michael, "What if our whole family sort of adopted the Biogeni family. What if, we, what if your mom and I got to know Tanner's mom and dad and sort of made their family a project in our life? How would you feel about that? Well, Michael was thrilled. And so they began to build a relationship with the Biogenis. And the McAfee's and the Biogenis became great, great friends. And over the course of just a few months, of all things, Tanner came to know Christ as his Savior, and Tanner's mother, Vicki, came to know Christ as her Lord and Savior, and I got the privilege of baptizing both of them. It's a great story, but that is not the end of the story. As it turns out, Vicki's husband, Tanner's dad, was the manager of the AAA baseball, professional baseball team in uh, Oklahoma City, the AAA Farm Club of the Texas Rangers. And uh, they were uh, the next step up to the major leagues there in Oklahoma City, and he was the manager of the team. And Vicky began to feel a burden. She talked about a burden in her heart for the, the ladies, the players' wives, that they would come to know Christ and that they could really have a spiritual dimension to their life. And she asked our church, would it be okay if Council Road, Baptist Church, that was the church I was pastoring at the time, would it be okay if Council Road would begin a Bible study for the players' wives? Well, that's exactly what we did. And over the course of the next several months, what happened was is that Two of the ladies, the wives, came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Almost all the wives, not all of them, but almost all of them came to the Bible study. And many of now of these wives started attending Council Row Baptist Church. And they were bringing their husbands with them. And the most amazing thing would happen over the next several months that we were having all of these players and their wives and their families coming to our church, and over the course of the next several weeks, three of the players of the Red Hawks accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I got a chance to baptize them, baptize their wives. It was just an amazing thing. And by the end of that season, one-third of the entire ball team One-third of the team were now attending our church on a regular basis, including the pitching coach. He and his wife were Christians. They started visiting Council Road, and they joined the church as well. It's an incredible story, don't you think? But that's not the end of the story. Kevin was witnessing to Greg Biagini, the manager of the AAA Farm Club, and he was sharing Christ with him, but but he was not getting far enough, and he came to a conclusion that I needed to step in and help him. The problem was is that Greg Biagini did not, he was not a Christian, and he did not like churches, and he could not stand pastors. I don't understand people that can't stand pastors. We're all good people, and we got to get the word out, okay? Get the word out, but he did not like pastors, and so Uh, Kevin wasn't sure how to go about this. What they decided to do was have a party at the McAfee's house, and they invited several people. But one of the big purposes of the party were to get the Biaginis and the Hartmans together for Greg Biagini to meet Mark Hartman. Now, what Kevin knew was this. Number one, Mark Hartman loves baseball. Have you gotten this figured out after 15 years here? I love baseball. And... I am a Texas Rangers fan. I'm one of the few left that are Texas Rangers fans. But I'm a Texas Rangers fan. Look, I understand how to lose. I've been in that track for a long time. and But I had one, one of my hobbies was the minor leagues, the minor league system of the Texas Rangers. I just loved to kind of get down into all their prospects and who they were. I knew about every one of the prospects of the Texas Rangers I knew their biographical sketches I knew somebody that knew somebody that knew somebody and I got access to some scouting reports yes scouting reports of some of these ball players and man I was studying about their strengths and weaknesses and all about them and I was so excited about the minor league system I knew a ton about it Kevin knew all of this, and so he got the party together, and he introduced me to Greg, but he didn't tell him I was a pastor, and he sort of set up the moment. He asked me some baseball questions. I gave answers to the baseball questions, and Greg's eyes kind of got wide, and we started talking, and The truth is, people peeled off. We didn't even know there was a party. It was just Greg and I sitting there, standing there talking to each other for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And during that period of time, he asked me, hey, would you like to go to lunch sometime? Maybe next week. I said, yeah. Now, the party is over, and it's not until the party's over and we're long gone that he finds out I am a pastor, (laughs) he's just invited a pastor out to lunch and he said to Kevin he can't be a pastor he knows too much about baseball (laughs) see people have this idea about pastors we know the Bible and absolutely nothing else it's not true Greg came he showed up I was just I was wondering he showed up he was feeling a little antsy you know being around me I don't know what it is but being one-on-one with a pastor at lunch it makes some people nervous but Let me tell you, for one hour, we talked about nothing but baseball. Nothing but baseball. I love talking baseball. And that was it. And he said to me, well, hey, a couple of weeks, you want to get together again for lunch? I said, I'd love it. And we got together and we talked nothing but baseball. For one hour And then we went to breakfast the very following week, and we talked one hour of baseball and five minutes of God. And in the five minutes of God, I said this, this to Greg, you know, I'm a pastor, and look, I would love to talk to you about God, but I'm going to tell you, you're going to drive this conversation if you want to talk about God. I'm going to let you drive it. If you've got some questions about God, some things you're wondering about, look, Vicky was changing before his very eyes. He needed to, what was what's going on with my wife? If you've got questions, I would love to do my very best to try to answer them and you drive it. The moment you're done talking about God, we're done. He said, "Okay, he tested me out two or three times and I always abided by the rules." And he got more and more at ease. And before the end of the season had come and all these players now coming to our church and baptizing these guys and these, these gals, before the end of the season, Greg and I, when we were talking to each other, was far more about God than it was about baseball. And it was all driven by him. He had so many questions about God, but he didn't know who to trust, how, who, who to actually ask the questions, and now he had a source. And we had the opportunity to spend time together. Now, the end of the season came, and the Biogenes did not live in Oklahoma City except during the season. They lived on the East Coast, so they went back home. At the start of the next season, right before opening day, Greg calls me. And he said, Mark, would you like to come to opening day? I said, I'd love to do that. He worked it out that I could get in absolutely free. I love free. And in fact, he worked it out that I could go to any any of the ball games that I wanted to go to all season long absolutely free. And I got the code to the parking lot of the players and the coaches, and I could now park in the parking lot absolutely free, walk right into that that stadium like I own the place. It was so cool. And he asked me, would you come down to the clubhouse before the game on opening night? <laughs> Seriously? Yes, come down to the clubhouse. I said, I will. Tell me how to get there. And he met me at outside right in front of the clubhouse. There's guards there. He introduced me to the guards, and he said, this is Mark Hartman, Mark Hartman has my permission to come in and out of the clubhouse all season long, no matter how many times. I'm big stuff now. I go right into the clubhouse, and there we are. He's got all the players together. It's opening game, and he's going to do a little speech, do a little speech. And in the middle of his speech, he says, You guys see this guy? And he pointed right at me, and he said, This is Mark Hartman. He's my pastor. That's how I felt. Oh, what? I was stunned. All the guys in the room were stunned. Greg Biagini was not the kind of guy that had a pastor, if you know what I mean. After the speech was over, we're getting ready for the game. <laughs> we're getting ready for the game. <laughs> we're getting ready for the game. The guys, one-third of the team, one-third of the team were at, were Sugar cur- I mean, were Council Road people. And so they huddled up with me. What is going on? Did you hear what he said? I said, just keep praying, just keep praying. <laughs> Greg said to me, you come to any game, you come, in, you come into the clubhouse anytime you want. Even during the game, you can come into the clubhouse. And I would go in and I would counsel guys that were going through hard times with their marriage. I would meet the new guys as they would come in. And uh, he treated me like I was the clubhouse pastor. And, and uh, he even invited me to come and work out with the team and the team gave me a uniform that suited me up and I look just like the rest of them man I look just like the rest of them I'm out there and I'm shagging flies in center field with the starting pitchers and I'm going through the calisthenics like I know what I'm doing and he had me go through batting practice and it was a shame it was honestly a terrible shame I did get some hits because a blind squirrel can catch it, get a nut once in a while, and I could hit a ball if I just kept swinging. I got a few hits, but it was pretty bad, and I know they were laughing at me. I know they were talking behind my back. Greg even set it up so that I would do the ceremonial first pitch. Attention, ladies and gentlemen. At the mound is Mark Hartman throwing out the first pitch. I was like, I was in heaven. I had already died and gone to heaven, and this is what heaven would be like. God and baseball, all together, this was heaven. But Greg was still lost. And he and I would spend time together this second season, just like we did the season before. And we talked about God so much. He had so many questions. And I shared how to be saved with him and never ready. And now the season's almost over and we're at breakfast and we're talking a little bit of baseball. And I said, Greg, if you don't mind, I think I'm going to stop the conversation about baseball. There's something I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about giving your heart to Christ. And he looked me right in the eye and he said, Mark, I'm ready. We left the restaurant, went out to his truck didn't eat breakfast. Went out to his truck. And in the cab, I showed him how to be saved, and we prayed, and he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. It's one of the great moments. But that is not the end of the story. This story is going to go on and on and on, isn't it? Two years later, I'm here. I'm the pastor of Sugar Creek. And Greg calls me. And he says to me, hey, I'm going to be in Houston at MD Anderson. Could we get together? And I said, Greg, what's, what's wrong? He had been diagnosed with cancer, and it was a fast-working cancer. And he said, it's too late for me now, and I've only got a few weeks to live. So we met, we talked a couple of times about his salvation, yes, he's saved. He committed his heart to Christ. He's growing as a Christian. We talked through all of that. And a few weeks later, Greg died. But when Greg died, he went to heaven. And all over, there are ball players that are saved, and players' wives saved, that are no longer ball players. And how did all this happen? It happened because one third grade boy got a burden in his heart for his friend and God took it from there. At Sugar Creek Baptist Church, we have one great purpose. Would you say that purpose with me? Our purpose is to love and lead all people to life change in Christ. That purpose is not just for the church as a whole, corporately. It is also intended to be part of our purpose as a Christian, as a Christ follower. That part of our purpose is to be a part of giving ourselves away to touch the lives of others that they might come to know the same Lord and Savior you and I know. Now, some of that happens when we give money, we give to the tithe and offering and that sort of thing in missions, and some of that comes from that but that was never intended to be all that is it was intended that you and i open our mouths that we give away our life that we we are a part of giving ourselves away that others who don't know christ could come to know jesus christ as their personal lord and savior that's what god intended and that's what i want to talk to you about today we're in a series entitled power living and it's a series in which we're talking about how we can know and experience the power of God in our life through living a balanced life by the, the power of obedience to God, where God intersects our life as we are really being obedient to Him. The power of pardoning others. And this morning I want to talk to you about the power of sharing Christ with someone else. The Bible says in, in 2 Timothy 1, seven, he says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. And we usually think of that as being sort of internal. How do I get more power for my life? How do I grow more in my life? How do I get stronger in my life? But part of that was intended how do I give myself away? How do, God, I want the power to see people's lives get changed and touched. I want to be a part of that. And part of power living is giving ourselves away. They're not just four elements about power living. It's all we have time for in the series. And this morning I want to talk to you about the whole idea of sharing Christ with others. There's a passage of Scripture that, that is such a powerful passage. It is found in Romans chapter 9, verse 1, and listen to what he says. This is Paul preaching or speaking when he says this, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have a great burden and an unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers. This is an amazing, an amazing passage of Scripture. But the word I want you to grab hold of is the word burden. I have this great burden. Burden. How do you get a burden for someone who does not know Christ to become a Christ follower? How do you get a burden for others? Well, listen to what Paul says. I'm saying the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it. I have a great burden and unceasing anguish. Unceasing anguish for people to be saved. This is not casual. This is a deep obsession that he's describing a burden is a deep motivation and hunger that is so strong that you're moved and you're grieved from within for a particular person to be saved how long has it been how long has it been since you cared about someone that you know that's lost how long has it been How long has it been since you shed tears for someone who's going to hell? And you know them. There are some burden builders that can grow a sense of burden in our heart. Let's look at them. The first thing that must happen is that you need to get saved yourself. You need to get saved yourself. You see, the the Bible talks about us having a time of examining ourselves. Examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith is what the word says. Doesn't it make sense that you could never get a burden for someone who's lost if you're lost, if you, if you had just gone through the motions but you really do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior? I'm going to tell you, you encounter somebody who got saved as an adult, somebody that that was just a life so messed up, going in such a wrong direction, and it was terrible. They were living uh, away from God, and suddenly they encountered Jesus Christ, and they came to know the Lord as their Savior, and man, they're on fire, and their life has been changed. They look back at their life, wow, look at the difference that God's made in my life. But there are so many times in which there are individuals who, just like me, got saved when we were children. And we don't have a drugs to Jesus story and we, we, we did right things in our life and we were living right lives and, and we grew up and, and we lived by certain principles of the Bible and, and what happens sometimes is that we take for granted this Christianity in our life and there's no sense of real deep passion in our life, really turning in our life. And we become so passive as Christians For some in that situation, just like me, I went through a deep crisis of faith in my teenage years, my latter teenage years, a deep crisis of faith. And it was a scary time, but it was a necessary time for me. And for some, it was a necessary time because it was no longer my parents' faith, it was my faith. And when I came out of that, I came out with passion for God. Not everybody needs that. I needed it, and some others have needed it. But here's my question. Did you really get saved? Or did you go through the motions that other people wanted you to do, and now you've sort of rocked along? What is true about you? Are you truly born again? Have you truly given your heart to Christ? To have a passion, first of all, you need to get saved yourself. You need to make sure of it. Second of all, you need to believe the Bible. This is what happened through the Apostle Paul. This is why he became such a passionate guy for God. He began to believe what the Bible said. He began to understand that the wages that that all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of God, that all of us, not one of us, are righteous, not one, and the wages of our sin What we get from the sin in our life is death. Not talking about physical death, it's talking about a spiritual death. And that because of sin in our life, we are so separated from God and there is no hope for this person outside of coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior. And Paul became totally convinced that every person he knew, every person he saw and experienced that did not give their heart to Christ were going to spend eternity in hell. Listen to what Jesus said. This is Jesus' words in Matthew 25, verse 41. Then God will say to those who are lost, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, and they will go away to eternal punishment. Did you know the person in the Bible that talked more about hell than anybody else, and maybe most all combined, was Jesus Jesus is the one that talked the most about hell. Hell's a real place. And I know that there are people that will say to it, Don't tell me about hell. I don't believe in hell. It doesn't matter if you believe in hell or not, it doesn't make it go away. There is no polling going on in heaven. Will there be a hell or not? The truth is, there is a hell, and I know it's true because God says it's true. Jesus himself talked the most about it than any other person. There is a hell. And once a person dies, it's over. There are no more chances. There are no more opportunities. And there are people that you and I know that have never given their heart to Christ. They've never accepted Jesus as their Savior. And if they die, it's over. And there's a real hell. One of the ways that we begin to build a burden is that we begin to understand and believe the Bible and let it penetrate our heart. Third of all, we genuinely love someone who's lost. Listen to what Paul says. I have a great sorrow and an unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers. Do you hear what he's saying? He is saying, God, I am willing to spend eternity in hell if by doing so my brethren, fellow Jews, would come to faith in Christ. And did you know that many of these people that he's talking about hated him? I haven't gotten there. I'm not going to pretend, stand up here and pretend to you that I got this because I don't. I've never one time said to God, God, I'm willing to spend eternity in hell if all the people who hate me would go to heaven. I've never said that to God. Paul had come to such a deep, Burden and anguish in his heart for those who were lost. Oh God, whatever it means, whatever it takes, even if I miss heaven, whatever it takes. So I'm just asking you the question how long has it been since you cried for anybody who was going to hell? For anyone that was lost. Genuinely loving someone and believing the Bible brings you to a place to say, Oh, my soul, please don't die. Please come to know Christ as Savior. Oh, God, whatever it takes, I want this person to know you. The fourth thing that has to happen is you've got to learn how to share your faith We have now trained 1,264 of our members to be able to share their faith in the simplest way of sharing your faith that you can ever believe. The easiest thing I've ever seen. I've learned Evangelism Explosion, EE and CWT, and I've been the trainer of those and all that. But the most simple way of presenting the gospel that I've ever heard in my life is called Three Circles. It is so easy to learn, I'm just stunned by it, and it's so understandable to the person that you share it with, three circles, it's just absolutely amazing. It's called the Gospel Conversation Workshop, and you see it every so often. In fact, I want you to look at this ad. Oh, there it is, this ad up here. See that Gospel Conversation training? I just took a, had a picture of it taken. It's in your worship guide. It's right there at your lap. I just wanted you to know it was there so that you could recognize it. Gospel Conversation Training, it's this Saturday at 8.30 in the morning. And did you know that if you came, you would learn the three circles way of presenting the gospel. Be so easy, so simple, you'll be stunned. You can have the words. You can have the understanding and be able to share it with someone else. But there's another way, and that is by using a gospel tract. T-R-A-C-T, a gospel track. It is a little pamphlet in which it presents the gospel. This is an example of one of them. It is the three circles in a gospel track. I love this. This thing has just been printed. And it takes you through the training, but you ought to go to the training because then after the training you ought to get one of these. It is just absolutely fantastic. And you can help a person to understand how does a person get saved? Another one of the gospel tracks that I've used many times is this one it's called Steps to Peace with God. This was a Billy Graham one, and it is just also a simple way of helping someone to understand. Did you know I have been trained in EE and CWT? I've trained I don't know how many hundreds of people. But the truth is there are still times I love using a gospel track and just walk them through the track and then give the track to them. So where do you get a gospel track? Well, right here is the next picture. You, have you seen these things around? They're, they, they're materials, boards, and they've got all kinds of stuff on it. Look at the right side. There those gospel tracks are. And they're all over this campus, and they're sitting right there. And you can go and get one or two or however many you want and keep getting them. They're there every week. And you put a couple in your purse or in your wallet or in your glove compartment or something and use these. And and here's another source of them, Uh, you probably have run into this, they're right in the middle of of the hallway, and the intention was for you to run into it if you weren't watching where you were going. And so they're right there, the materials, and on that materials cube, wooden cube, there are these tracks. You can get them right when you leave here today and have one of those gospel tracks and walk through it with somebody. And when you give them, when when you take them through, and you just give them the track, and then come up here and get some more. You got to learn how to share your faith. You got to learn how to share your faith. You got to not be lazy. And avail yourself so let me just tell you this right here on the back of this communication card that that the card guy is going to come up and introduce to us in a few minutes on the back of this is one of them that says i will learn to share my faith by attending the gospel conversation training this saturday right there and it hundreds we want hundreds of you there this Saturday morning learning how to share your faith the next one is this have a sense of urgency demonstrated by boldness every human being has this lifetime and when this lifetime is over the opportunities are gone this lifetime and we don't know how long this lifetime will last we don't know is there going to be a car accident is something going to happen that we're not ready for and there needs to be an urgency and a boldness listen to what the bible says in Psalm 46. i will speak of your testimonies before kings and i will not be ashamed boldness romans 1:16 i am not ashamed of the gospel Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. How many of you are ashamed of Jesus Christ and ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? I wouldn't tell anybody about Jesus. I'm so ashamed of him. Nobody in this room is. So let's don't act like it. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God for salvation for anyone who believes. And so I will open my mouth. We're talking about a boldness. But as we have an urgency and a boldness in our heart, what does it look like as we're talking to someone? Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Don't beat them over the head with your Bible. Don't give them a turn and burn thing don't do that this is why with greg i the first time we met it's just about baseball the second time we met it's just about baseball the third time we met 5 minutes about god and then you hold the key greg if you want to keep talking we will if you don't we won't because i'm a pastor and it's intimidating for a guy in his situation and it was respectful it was respectful to him and kind no one is argued into the kingdom of God. No one is. But people by the droves are loved and led into the kingdom. And God has opened the opportunity for us. So what do you do? Very quickly. One, pray for the person that you want to receive Christ. Romans 10:1, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God is that Israel be saved. Pray, pray, pray. You need to pick, you need to maybe write down 5 names of individuals you work with, 5 names, people that you live by, that you go to school with, you 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 uh, know our friends, 5 people that are lost and begin to pray for them on a regular basis. Just praying. Hey, anybody can pray for them. Pray for them. So When you pray for them, what are you praying for? 2 Corinthians 4.4. Satan, who is the God, little g, of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. They're blind. No wonder they don't understand this. No No wonder they say to me, I don't get why you're a Christian. Their hearts are blind, their minds are blind, their eyes are blind. So you are praying, oh God, would you open their eyes? God, would you open their heart? Would you open their eyes? Would you let them see? And every day, maybe many times a day, you're praying, oh God, would you open their eyes? Second of all, pray for power for you. You're praying, God, open their eyes. God, give me power. The Bible says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Oh, God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you give me power? Power to recognize the opportunity when it comes. Power to recognize the opportunity. Power to know the right things to say. Get the training. Power to know the right things to say. And third of all, courage. Power to have courage at that moment to open my mouth and let God use me. Oh, God, give me power. Third of all, it's sort of called prayer evangelism. Ask those people on your list if there's anything you could pray for for them. Did you know that everybody prays? Yeah, all the polls show everybody prays. In fact, the polls show that almost every agnostic and atheist prays. They would never admit that to you. They will tell you that's not true. But on the poll, when no one knew who they were... Even agnostics and atheists say they pray. Everybody prays. Everybody has needs and hurts and problems and challenges and struggles. Why don't you say to them, I would love to pray for you. Is there anything I could pray for you about? I don't need your prayers. I'm an agnostic. I'm an atheist. That's okay. I'll pray for you. Is there anything I could pray for you? Because I do know God. And then pray. And you know what? You'll give God an opportunity to intersect their life, to maybe move in their life in an unexpected, miraculous way, and God may use that very thing in their life to open their eyes to him. Have you noticed all three things I've mentioned is prayer. Prayer. Praying for them, praying for you, and now praying for some particular need in their life. The fourth thing is this. Look for the opportunity to share Christ verbally. I know, I've heard at least, of a wallpaper hanger and a wall decorator, hanger guy in Southern California, the Los Angeles area. He is so good, he does all of the big homes, all of the expensive homes. And when he's finished, here's what he said, when he's done doing all the work on those walls, he then hands them a bill and says to them, now you have seen what I do on the side. But my greatest job, could I take five minutes and share with you my greatest job? And he gives them their tes- his testimony. Five minutes is all he takes, and he tells them what Jesus Christ has meant to his life. I know of an optometrist who worked in the four spiritual laws with the eye test. You know, A, B, C, D, worked in the four spiritual laws. These two guys own their own business. They can do whatever they please. Maybe you don't. And maybe there's some limitations. I know of a member of this church that last Christmas that this couple wanted to be a witness to those people that they work with. And so they created a Christmas card in which they shared their story of what God had meant in their life this past year. Look, at Christmas, everybody's thinking about Jesus, the little baby Jesus in a manger and all that kind of stuff. But use this moment to be able to share a bigger picture of God at work in their life. It's just a creative way of sharing their faith. You can do this. Open up your heart to sharing your faith with others and here's the last thing, keep living the life. Have you noticed in this in this culture of ours, this crazy angry culture, everybody's mad. Literally, everybody in America is mad at something, at each other, at something. Everybody's mad. And half of the articles you read anywhere have outrage in the title or somewhere in the first three sentences. Outrage this, outrage that. It's just crazy. We have become a crazy, nutty society of angry people. And we got people that are feeding us with anger, constant anger, in, in every direction. And I'm going to tell you, in some of these respects, these people are manipulating. And I, got a, I just decided I was sick and tired of the manipulation. And I divorced myself from some of the outlets I am not interested in anymore. I don't want to live the rest of my life angry at the next thing you want me to be mad about. we are to be a different kind of people we're to live in a different way and listen to what Philippians two fourteen says do all that has to be done without complaining or arguing or being mad now, I added that to there but I think it means it and you will shine in the world like bright stars as you offer it the word of life People are watching your life, let your life shine in the middle of such a dark place. Howard Hendricks was on a plane, this is my last story and I'm done, was on a plane, American Airlines plane going across country and he said that the guy who was sitting directly in front of him was drunk. He had been drinking obviously at the airport, now he was on the plane and he was ordering drinks and he said this guy was just flat drunk. And he was becoming a jerk. He was becoming a real nuisance and a problem. But he said that the flight attendant was just masterful. And she, she worked with that, worked with this guy, settled him all down, just get him to the destination and get him off the plane. And she was amazing. And he said that after everybody was leaving and he went up to her and said to her, I saw what happened and I'm really impressed by you if it'd be okay with you, I would be very willing to write your boss and tell him what a great job you did today. And you know what the woman said said to him? (laughs) She said to him, well, actually, I really appreciate you being willing to do that. It's so kind of you. But I don't work for American Airlines. I work for Jesus Christ, and he already knows all about it. Now, what was she doing? She didn't know Howard Hendricks was a, a, a pastor and a preacher and a theologian. And she didn't know anything about this guy. But she saw it as a moment to witness about Jesus. You and I can make a difference. Let's stop living passive lives and stop making excuses for saying nothing and open our mouths and let God use us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity today for us to get together. And God, I pray for those in this room that need to give their heart to you, and they sense it, and I pray you'd move in their heart today. And those who want to join this church, and God, we pray that you would work in their heart today. And Father, for all of the rest of us, oh God, put a fire in our belly to help others around us know Jesus while there's still time. God, put a burden in our heart. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.